0: I think we've gotten so used to studying God's Word, you know, as just this uh, storybook that we've almost lost the capacity to be awestruck by who He is, to simply, again, be amazed and awestruck at who God is, and the fact that God is in my life, and the fact that I have a holy God, and I I don't... Not trying to dwell in Old Testament, but again, if you go back to generations of people who before Jesus were separated from God and the very existence of their sin would cause God to be separated. And even the priest, if they had sin in their life, walked into the holy presence of God, they would instantly fall dead. And we know this in, in, a, in a tangible, storybook, factual way. But I think sometimes we've lost the reality that the fact that I can just say the name of Jesus and at the mention of that name, His Holy Spirit will flood whatever space that I'm in. Regardless of my sin, regardless of my past, regardless of what I'm struggling with, He's instantly there to meet with me and to save me. That's just all inspiring. That's just amazing. And there would be just generations of believers who followed after this God who would say, how how is that even possible that God would come and dwell among people? They'd say, we followed him as a cloud and we followed him as a pillar of fire. And then we knew his presence dwelt in the holy of holies, but it was always intangible to the average person. How is it that every breath that you take, every step that you take, come on, Paulus, every step that you take, he's right there with you in that moment but we've gotten so accustomed to god the story he'll be there that we've lost our wonder we've lost our ability to be awestruck That even when God does something that we would say is small and insignificant, the fact that he, in all of his glory, holding the universe in the palm of his hand would even pay enough attention to make me find a $20 bill on the ground when I needed it. I don't know. I'm just throwing some stuff out there. You know, to whatever the thing is, a front parking spot when you couldn't find anywhere to park. Like he just aligned the timing. So The fact that he would even care about the minuteness and smallness of my life and my world Is staggering. Let's not get so complacent with the story and the facts that we don't make space for this supernatural, amazing, miracle-working God. Now, listen, I'm not advocating that you check your mind at the door, right? I think that's gotten us in trouble at times as an evangelical society where we've just we well, just go off of your emotions and don't, you know, use wisdom. But we use wisdom as we run towards Jesus, when we share the hope that lies within us to the world around us. But I also think we have to make room for wonder. Amen. Yeah, we got to use our gray matter. We got to make sure our heart's up there too. Amen? Amen. So my hope today is that the Holy Spirit will speak to us individually and As individuals, we begin to recapture the wonder that is Christmas. Because it's not a regular kind of season. It has nothing to do with shopping or Mariah Carey, but has everything to do with God's willingness to bow low with him demonstrating to us that he was willing to leave glory and come down low to live a common, normal life, to be in the pig's pen with us, if you will, to be betrayed and beaten and mocked and hated on and slandered and beaten and bruised and hang on a cross just so he could in 2023 be in the intimate details of our lives. That's amazing. Luke chapter 2, I'm again reading in verse 1. I'm going to read through this and then we're going to jump back to a few things that I want us to see. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it was told to them. So I want to dive into this verse a little bit because obviously most of us would be familiar with that story. We would understand the birth of Jesus. We would understand the great miracles, the Messiah. But I want to dive into some of the smaller miracles in this passage that I think we often miss. Uh, Because sometimes these small miracles give way to the big ones. Sometimes I think God will perform a small miracle just to let you know I'm still working on the big ones. All right. Sometimes I think when we're faithful with the small ones, God says, because you've been faithful and acknowledging me in the small ones, I'll do something big and substantial. So I love the beginning of this passage. They go to Bethlehem, and that word for Bethlehem actually means the house of bread. And I think this is the first miracle that I think we can miss. That it's the house of bread and not the house of keto. (laughs) Come on, I worked really hard on that. and You said that a lot. But his first announcement is get some carbs in you. We're going to go to the house of bread. Can I get anybody to say an Amen. You got a fast coming up. You better get to the house of bread now. But that's not really what I wanted to look at. (laughs) I want to look at a piece of this that's often skipped over, and that's the shepherds themselves. And the fact that God would make this announcement to these shepherds, what I don't think we understand in our 21st century cultures, we tend to think as shepherds as he's uh, you know, cute little boy in bathrobes that we see in plays, you know, year after year, these, these shepherds. Uh, but in ancient times in Israel, shepherds were effectively homeless. They they were transit. They were often uh, illiterate. So much so that they actually weren't allowed in ceremonial worship services because their reputation is being homeless and illiterate and they begin to get this perception about them that they were uh, you know filled with crime and filled with uh, terrible things so to have a shepherd in a first century Jewish gathering would have been a big no-no because they weren't of the elite they were some of the lowest of the low They weren't allowed in corporate worship. Actually, shepherds weren't even allowed to be witnesses in legal court cases in the first century because their testimonies were considered so not credible that people just believed they had a problem telling the truth. So you've got these itinerant, illiterate, stinky men who were excluded from the religious organization of the day. And you have this God who says, I'm going to send a part of myself down in the form of a son that's going to forever fix the sin problem and make a highway for men and women to come back to relationship with me in so much a way that it will forever affect their eternities. This is a big moment for God. This is, this is the event. This is it. And so when God decides, how is it that I'm going to let the world know that my son is coming? How is it that I'm going to announce to the world that the Messiah is finally arriving? The earth has literally been quaking and aching for this sin to get off of it. And and I'm finally, through all eternity, getting ready to fix the sin. How is it that I'm going to make this announcement Surely, I'll do a slideshow in the synagogue. Surely, I'll call the leading, uh, you know, priests to blow their trumpets and announce the Messiah. Surely, there'll be a parade and it'll be in the front page of all of the newspapers. But God looks down and says, hmm, who am I going to choose to be in every every nativity play from now (laughs) forward? Who will be the first outside of Mary and Joseph to witness this Messiah? I'll know. I'll choose a group of people that nobody else would vote for. I'll choose some people who weren't even allowed in religious ceremony. I. I'll choose the outcast and those who were forsaken and forgotten about. I'll choose the illiterate, those with no education, born on the wrong side of the tracks. I'll find those who were told that they would... Am I preaching to anybody else this morning that were told that they would never become anything? Am I, he said, I'll find those who thought that their lives would forever be marked by what they currently find themselves in, that position. But he said, I'm going to find these type of people I want you to remember that Luke is, we're reading from the book of Luke, and Luke is a Gentile author, which means he was not a Jew. But he was grafted in, and he's trying to help us understand that this was an all-access event. That the first thing that God decides to do is let people know that this is for everyone. Not just the elite, not just the well-educated. This is for everyone. He says, I'll take the bottom of the pile. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad about that. Verse 18, we read that it says, All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The word wondered there in Greek actually just simply means to be Amazed. And I have to ask myself, were they amazed so much at the announcement of the story that they've seen the Messiah? I say not. Here's why. Because the Jewish people were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. So if you ran into a Jewish town and said, angels appeared, the Messiah is coming, he's here, the angels told us, In my mind, I never have understood why there wasn't a mass, like, you know, beeline for everybody to go to that little, you know, one-room barn and see the Messiah. Like, I mean, if you were waiting, wouldn't you go? But we have no record of that. But yet it says the people were amazed. Is it that they were amazed at the announcement of the story, or were they amazed that these... Lowly, dirty, lying shepherds would come to them with such an announcement. Makes more sense to me why there weren't more people. Why Jesus pretty much grew up amongst these people as just a common boy. It's not like, you know, as three years old, he's walking down the street and people are going, ah, it's the Messiah. Because... The announcement came from those who they would never, ever think that God would use. They missed the Messiah because they lost the wonder. Ponder that for a minute. They missed, they were alive at the most pivotal point in human history. Like, I don't know how many times, and maybe if you've had, you know, questions about your faith, it's like, why can't I just be alive and be there and see it? Most of these people would have been there. I mean, Jesus was 33, you know, when he died on the cross. So they would have been there from his birth to his death. If I got transported in time, you couldn't keep me away from him. I would be taking in every single thing. But the fact that he could just walk around in the midst of them like he was common is staggering. And it's not because they weren't told. Because the announcement was made to them. But instead of being amazed and in awe that the Messiah had arrived, they were amazed and in awe because some dirty, stinky shepherds came and lied to them. Don't miss what God is doing in your life. Come on, somebody. Don't miss what God's doing in your world. Because it's not textbook. Because it's not how you perceived it would be done. God said, I'm going to bring promotion and increase to your life. You've been faithful with the little. So I'm going to promote you and I'm going to, I'm going to bring increase to your life. And you're going, to, you're going to get out of debt and you're going to do this. And suddenly you enter into a new season and you've been laid off. Don't miss. Don't miss what God wants to do. <laughs> because what you don't know is there was a cap where you were. God said to bring increase, I got to move you from where you were to where you need to be. Don't miss what God's doing because it's not textbook. Amen. Anything God did significant throughout Scripture was never textbook. Even to those who did follow him during his earthly ministry, they kept saying, Hey, when are you going to overthrow the Roman government and build your kingdom? Right. And it's like I mean Jesus didn't help it when he like looked at Jerusalem and said this city will be turned upside down and restored in three days and you know he's talking spiritually about his his own body and the resurrection and they're like yeah we're gonna tear the city down you know Jesus didn't help the situation but my point is even in standing in front of greatness the Messiah the sovereign God they completely missed what he was going to do because it wasn't textbook. Right. Yeah. So I challenge you to never lose the all and wonder of God. Amen. Never expect Him to do it like you expect Him to do it. Learn to be surprised again. Yeah. That's why your Bible says count it all joy when these things fall upon you. Trials and... and te- te- think, just count it joy. Why? Because God's still doing something. Yeah. He's still up to something. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. It it doesn't compute in my brain, but it never has for anyone who's achieved any greatness in the history of Christianity. It's never been done textbook. Every great revival was birthed out of uh, men and women who just wouldn't be textbook material. So be amazed. Be amazed. We see this word amazed that Luke uses here. Several other places in the Gospels. And one of them is when the disciples were scared on the Sea of Galilee and the waves were rocking and the boat. And Jesus was down the bottom of the boat taking a nap. And they came down in fear and woke him up and said, I mean, are you going to do something? It's like we're going to die here. The Bible says that Jesus got up, sleep in his eye, frustrated, spoke to the wind and it obeyed him. And it's that same word amazed. The Bible says the disciples were amazed by what they saw. Let me ask you this question. What has amazed you recently in your life? Kurt's back there poking Tammy. They just got married. Good credit, man. Good job. But honestly, what has amazed you recently? What's taken your breath away that God did? What's left you saying, I can't believe it. Well, pastor, I still have big problems. I, I, I still have circumstances. I still have pain in my body. Can I submit to you? God's always doing something. Amen. And if we look, we will find. If you look for it, you'll find it. I believe one of the greatest things that the American church has to get over is our our obsession with the familiar, with what's comfortable, with program, with pattern. Any time in history that the church has gotten stuck in pattern, it always equaled their demise. Any time the Jewish people got comfortable in their own land and they stopped being amazed by God, And they started looking at other idols every time opposing armies would come and overtake them. Then they get back into captivity. They turn their hearts back to God. And eventually God would come and deliver his people and bring them back to their homeland again. And they'd be there, and then suddenly they'd get comfortable, and life got back to a sense of normality, and generations would pass, and suddenly they forgot. You know, I said this about this last week, but they forgot what the previous generations had walked through. Yeah. And they began to take the fact that they were dwelling in their own land for granted, and they would turn away from God, and as soon as they would, in would come an opposing enemy and capture the city again. Do you see the pattern? And whenever we approach God with this sense of normalcy, this is Christmas. It's not just a holiday. I, I, I hate to say these things, so I don't want to sound cliche, but it's not about the gifts. It's not about the tree, and it is about celebrating the miraculous. It's about celebrating that God cared that much about me to come the whole way down and be where I am, that he would become Emmanuel and dwell with us, that he would become the God who no longer was separated by galaxy and, and solar system, but now that he would be the God that was close. That's what it's about. That's why we celebrate. Let us never lose our sense of wonder and awe and who he is. Come on, somebody. He's incredible. He's been there through every dark night. He's been there through every mountaintop and valley experience. He's, he's entwined into the fabric of my daily life. He cares what I'm doing. He knows when I stop for gas. He, he, he knows what I got in the grave. Like the fact that he is even caring about those things is staggering. I believe that the church has gotten so obsessed with entertainment that we even approach our worship. Entertain me. This better sound like a concert. This better have all the bells and the whistles. This better move me. How many of you know your worship was never meant to move you? He said, bring me the sacrifice of praise. It was about you bringing enough sacrifice to it finally moves him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paula, you better get home quick. Preaching good, Pastor. <laughs> Our worship is meant to move him, but we've approached it as... Make me feel something. Levi, make me feel something. Singers, make me feel something. Too loud, too quiet. Make me feel something. Make it connect with all my senses. Meanwhile, you have people like Paul and Silas who are chained in the prison where the sewage literally runs through their where they're sitting and where they're chained, the sewage of this city. And even in that moment, it, they didn't worship God because they felt something. Wasn't because the atmosphere was primed and prepped, and the intercessors went first, and you know, oh, it's just glory was open, and the heavens were open. It was none of that. There was complete darkness, and the smell of sewage all around them. But even in that space, they understood that God is close. He is near. He is all around. So if I just bypass my human senses and I bring him a sacrifice of praise, not because he moved me, but because he deserves it, because. That's who he is. That's when God says, now, now your praise will move me and I'll get involved. You don't know the story that God began literally shook the jail where they were and they were freed. And not only did they get free, they got the jailer saved. And not only did the jailer get saved, his entire family got saved. And it started a revival in the city where they were all simply because two men weren't sitting there saying, somebody do something for me. But they stood up and they said, listen, God's God. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego standing outside of the fiery furnace. With the Pharaoh saying, you either bow or you die. Yeah. And I love them. They said, listen, we know. Yeah. We know he's able. Yeah. We know it. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow. You want to talk about faith. Yeah. When you have the ability to say, I know he's able, but even if he doesn't for me. <sighs> no. We've got a church that says, I know he's able, and if he doesn't, then I won't. If he doesn't, then I won't. I'll praise him when he does it. I'll praise him when he makes it all right. I'll praise him when he turns the situation around. But God says, that's not where I get involved. I get involved in the beginning before I do anything. When you stand and say, I know you can, but even if you don't, I'm still going to praise. Even if the pain never leaves my body, I'm still going to lift my hands and lift my voice. Even if I never have a financial turnaround and I'm broke all the days of my life, God's still good enough and he's still been faithful enough to me. He still saved my soul and forgave my sin and secured a home for me in heaven that even if he never does another thing for me, it doesn't matter because that's who he is and I'm in awe and amazement of him. So we don't have to dress up the Christmas story. As a preacher, I say this every year to y'all. I love Christmas, but sometimes digging into the same story that this upcoming year, I'll pastor 20 years, that I've preached 20 years. Same story. It's like, all right, we've got Mary, we've got Joseph, we've got the angels, we've got the she- shepherds. Yeah, shepherds. <laughs> Next year, maybe the innkeeper. I don't know. <laughs> we keep digging. But this year, I just felt like, I don't need to class it up. I don't need to try to pull something out. Jesus came. He came. We were distant. We were far. And he said, that's not good enough for me. So I'll come. And that should be enough. That should be enough. So what small miracle have you seen recently? Recently? Do we have the capacity to be amazed anymore? In my 20 years of pastoring, I've seen it in countless people, and I've struggled with it in my own life. Sometimes I can tell where people are in their walk with God. And there's this moment where they're on, my mama would say, thin ice. Where the amazement of being a part of a community of believers is now a burden. The salvations that happen in church on a Sunday morning. We clap and we put our hands together and we walk out the door and make our little comments of whether it's too short, too long, too hot, too cold. And I, I, I can see it. And what happens is we just become complacent. Uh-huh. And eventually, this loses its luster. Well, being at home's all right, too. And there's other things. Yeah. And it's sad. And I, again, I'd, if we're not all careful, I'd deal with it. Right. Another sermon. Right. Let's just do it. Let's get through it. Another holiday. <laughs> we'll breathe after. Let's just go, go, go. Do it. Do it. And if I'm not careful, I can fall into that same pattern of. And it's a tragedy. This past year, 141 people made decisions for Christ. Through this ministry. Let us not become complacent about that. There are 141 men and women and children who are no longer dead. 141 men and children, women and children who are alive. In the Old Testament, there was a man by Zephaniah who was in the temple. And do you know how long he toiled in his ministry? A long time. (laughs) He went from having good eyesight to bad eyesight and stretchy pants. Do you know how many salvations he saw? <laughs> Zero. Wow, that's good. But guess what? He was faithful. He was faithful. Mm-hmm. So do we have the capacity to be amazed? Listen, I'm all about logic. But if I let my world be ruled by logic I will fail to see miracles and let me ask you this do you really want a God that you could figure out (laughs) like really I mean for a God to be that small that I know everything about him and his next move Mm, I don't want that I want a God who's bigger than me, higher ways, higher thoughts, a better understanding. And that's what he is. So the fact that I can't figure him out or determine his next move, that's God. I want a God who will be complete amazing that even after still serving him for 50 years I'm still in all of him. I look at some of the seasoned saints even in this house who've walked with him for a minute and they're still in the seat this morning don't bypass that some people in this room have walked with him 40, 50, 60 years and they're still walking. Survey your life. How many people have come to God and walked away? They were in, but now they're out. They were hot, and now they're cold. So the fact that somebody after 50 years can say, he still amazes me. He's still worth showing up for. I'd still be lost without him. Come on. Come on, somebody. Verse 11 The angel says to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day. Everybody say this day. This day day in the city of David, a savior. This day, a savior. He's here. He's present. And he's close. And we keep walking after him. Eugene Peter, Peterson calls obedience a long walk in the same direction. I love that. It's actually what we're going to theme our January on. <laughs> a long walk in the same direction. Why? Because sometimes the amazingness of God is his ability to keep us. right. Is that we don't go to the left or the right when there's drama all around us. We, we we just keep walking towards Jesus, And some of you need to be real, real grateful for that because some of us haven't had easy lives and some of us have had some drama and some of us have had some circumstances and some of us have had some naysayers and some of us have had some people in our world and and there's just been things that could cause a weaker person to walk away and to give up and quit. But you're still here and you're still standing. And that's amazing that the God of this universe would somehow keep you in faith, keep you walking, keep you steady, keep you going forward in spite of everything that's happened to you. That's amazing. Don't underestimate it. Come on. Somebody by the name of Dr. Craig Keener says this, if you get out of the Bible or out of God's story, what you're expecting to get out of God's story, you need to change your expectations. Because it should amaze us. It should amaze us. So Luke says today, today. He actually uses that phrase today or this day 10 more times in this gospel account. Today. Actually, he uses it in chapter 4 when Jesus is no longer a baby. And now he goes to the temple and he goes back to his hometown into the synagogue and At this time in history, there wouldn't have been a full-time minister. Somebody would have gotten up and read from the the scrolls, and at this day, it was Jesus's turn, and somebody got up, and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and he turns, and he begins to read Isaiah 61, where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news to the poor, that he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, and Amen. liberty to those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and then Jesus makes this bold statement and declaration, and he says, today... This is fulfilled in your hearing. What is he saying? It's in front of you. Don't miss it. Oh, they should have shouted. I mean, because 30 years earlier, some shepherds came and announced to this very town of people that the Messiah was born. And they missed it. 30 years later, this same boy stands up and says, this prophecy about the Messiah, it's fulfilled today. I'm he. And you would think bells would be going off. And you know what? 30 years ago, I remember those stinky, nasty shepherds running into the city, He's here. This is him. This is he. The Messiah is here. Get everybody together. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate the Messiah. The the promised one has come. No, they missed it. And they missed it big. The Bible says they actually took him and tried to throw him off the battle of the hill to kill him. Uh, Didn't succeed, but... And he was in front of them. Here's the thing, I love participating in, in Advent. Advent is that season leading up to Christmas, and if you participate with that in your family, we're on week three of Advent, and it's all building. And I love it because it's about telling the story, because, you know, the Jewish people, one thing is that they, they have, they've finally gotten down is, is the storytelling piece, and even when they have Passover, it's all about telling the story, because they want one generation to let another generation, hey, don't forget what God has done, right and advent is this this building up to to this 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 moment this this story so i love that i love that we continue to tell the christmas story but here's the thing we're not pining for advent anymore the anticipation of waiting he's coming he's coming is over because he's here You know, and you're saying, well, no, he's not here. Technically speaking, he's not, because even after he rose from the grave, he said, I can't be everywhere with all men all the time, so I need to go up and sit at the right hand of my Father and do a tag team handoff to the Holy Spirit and send that third part of the Trinity down that can be with everyone everywhere at all times in every moment. So we're no longer waiting for Advent to come. He's already come and he's here and today he stands in front of you and he says this to you. This is the year that I proclaim liberty to those who are in captive. I proclaim healing to those who are bruised. I proclaim the recovery of sight to the blind. I proclaim freedom to the captive i pro- proclaim financial breakthrough and turnaround and mental healing and physical strength i proclaim whatever it is that you need and he says i'm standing here and i'm ready and i'm willing but will you receive it and are you open to it or do you understand that advent is over because the messiah has come yeah. Amen. and he stands and he knocks and says will you answer that's the whole point of what Luke's writing. He says today, 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 today. You don't have to grieve anymore because today you don't have to be without hope anymore because today your hope is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God came near. We should be amazed by that. Team, you can come. David said... In the Psalms, he says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, even to the outermost parts of the earth, you're there. Another Psalm, he says, where can I go that you won't find me? Even in that Old Testament context, David understood the bigness of God, that there's nowhere he could be that God wasn't. I just want to submit to us today because I just feel like, at least in my heart, I know He is. It's just like this turning of realizing that I don't have to search for Him. I don't have to try to find Him. He's here. When I wake up in the morning and I have worries about my day, guess what? He's here. And when I can't sleep in the night because my mind is racing for fear of what could be and calamities and what our world looks like and what about my family and my kids and all of that mess and all of those circumstances, I I, I can just stand here and and just realize that he's here. Come on, somebody. He's here. So I should never get over that. And whenever I do get over it and it becomes common again, And churches, church, people, problems, a pastor that goes too long sometimes, all of that, I need to check myself. This isn't common. It's not common. It's amazing.